Hello and welcome to the Purple Nights podcast. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, so how do you want to do this? You want to talk about your your blog and the the past year reviewing the catalog and all that stuff? Yeah, that would probably be a good place to start, I guess. <laughs> okay. Hopefully this is finally happening. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh, it took a while to set up, but it's it's finally happening, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to do this really cheesy intro, um, with the dearly beloved, but I don't know if I can I can even do that. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so this past year you've been going through Prince's entire catalog on your blog using a unique rating system, at least unique to music. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Let's see. So how I went about this, well, first of all, let me do a disclaimer really quick that this was the plan from, like I figured, 2017 because I became a fan in 2007. I figured uh, doing like 10 years later, I thought that would be a good idea. Right, right. And with like the circumstances that like, how they transpired, it's like, uh, I don't want people to think I'm doing it just because Prince is no longer with us, that sort of thing. So, but anyway, that, w- that was the plan from the beginning. With the scoring system, though, it's like, I I figured one way to, um, uh, how do I want to put this? I wanted to find, kind of figure out mathematically um, how to to determine what my like my favorite music is because it's like with Prince it's kind of hard because like some some my favorite album kind of changes every now and then but I always had a certain number of albums I usually considered like around my top seven and as it turns out at least three of them were were definitely in there the the other four. Well, one wasn't too much of a surprise. A couple of them were. But anyway, the the way I kind of wanted to do it, like I became such a figure skating nerd, so I figured like one way to kind of be fair, so I I balance good music against like the music I really personally enjoy. I figured I would have a score for like technical stuff, like for the music like how good the music is, how well-written the lyrics are, the songwriting, and just how original they were specifically to Prince, I guess. So, and then the component side, which I'm skating, it's it's about like transitions, interpretation of music, emotion, that sort of thing. And I swear that, well, both add up to five. And for the component sides, like five is like I really love, four, four and a half is like I I really like it, four I like, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. so that kind of helped me get everything in order for the most part. But, but yeah, what I roughly did, I did, I I wound up doing an album a week, 
listened to it a couple of times. And then what I kind of like to do is like just to because when I when I kind of started, I I joined Prince.org because I wanted to learn about Prince from other fans because they would know him better than probably most people. So I was kind of going back to that formula, but instead of the message boards, I listened to the Peach and Black podcast, and I learned a lot from those guys. So oh yeah, and was, of course, oh, it, yeah. of course, it was very entertaining. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're a definite inspiration for this podcast, absolutely. Uh, Peach and Black, and then also Michael Dean's Prince podcast. Both of those podcasts I love. So, yeah, Peach and Black is very entertaining. So, well, okay, do you want to get right into uh, the countdown? What do you want to start with first, the, the songs? Oh, the songs are going to take forever. So I think I will do the okay. album, and for okay. yeah, um, yeah. But for the albums, I figure it would be good to go from like one down to seven, and then for the music, I will try to go from one hundred to one. Okay. And I guess we'll do the albums first. <laughs> okay, so let's do the albums. You're gonna do your top seven. Yep. I figure Prince loved the number seven. He had in so many lyrics. I figure why not? So. It seemed like a nice, okay. good number to do. Well, number one out of seven, let's see. Well, I have mixed feelings about this because everybody who knows anything about, like, music or the 80s or whatever, they know about Purple Rain. So I kind of didn't want it to end up being my number one album, but it kind of just happened. <laughs> and there's yeah. kind of no explaining that. But at the same time, they were kind of instrumental in me becoming a fan in the first place. So at the same time, that's it's not too surprising. Come on, it's kind of a crazy roundabout story too, because like we were randomly watching TV, flipping through the channels. I don't even know how old I was at the time. Probably twelve or thirteen, maybe fourteen, and then. Purple Rain was on channel, and and it was like maybe half over or something. And I'm like, we are, I, I'm not, I'm going to be totally lost during this. Let's change the channel. My dad's like, no, stick with it. It's a good movie. So we kind of stuck with it. And then uh, the la- the last couple of minutes won me over. Well, actually, I did get one over earlier on when um, I I think it was like the basement scene, like where he just like trashed the basement. And he found his his father's sheet music that was like really like that kind of hit especially like hearing he never wrote anything down and apparently he did so there, there was that and then I would die for you I and maybe I have a star I'd heard a couple of times so it was like something else just seeing him act that perform that in the movie and it was just blew my mind and he'd been kind of like in the back of it for many years I'd seen him a like appear, do random appearances for like the past couple years, but I never really took that plunge to officially becoming a fan after the Super Bowl appearance, and then videos started coming out on the internet, and then one thing led to another, and here I am. So, but yeah, with the the music in general, it's kind of nuts with the music. It's 
like really well crafted. So I don't know if he really brought his A game or he just really hit this peak of creativity or something. But it seemed like all of the, the songs were like designed to be like like hits, and supposedly five of them might have become singles in one capacity or another, which is kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, right. with that album, right. I don't think I gave anything less than like a four, an eight for a total score. And then, of course, there there are going to be quite a few of these in my top 100 because like, I, I just couldn't help myself. And then there's like, well, I, I won't give the, the rest of that away, but a lot of them did chart really high. So. Awesome. Friends in the Revolution awesome. together. They just really got together for this album. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a it's more of a band effort than his previous albums were. So yeah, maybe that has maybe that has something to do with why the, the fact that the songs are so solid. And uh, but yeah, great great album. I can't really think of one weak track on there really. I mean. It could be argued that Take Me With You is probably the weakest track, but even then, you know, it's a pretty strong song. So, yeah, it totally makes sense as the top album on your countdown. Uh, yeah, I know. So number, even though it's like so very num- cliche, and it's, but at least I know that the quality of everything else, it's not like... Oh, Purple Rain's my number one album, and I never heard of any of the other ones. Like, no, I actually, I actually own a bunch of the albums, and I've, and I, I know them all pretty well. So, right, but yeah, that that's kind of how a, it happens. Yeah, that should be another disclaimer. We we both are legitimate hardcore fans, and we know our stuff. But Purple Rain is our favorite, our favorite album, our top album. So that's pretty. It's. Like you said, it's kind of cliche, but whatever. We know our stuff. We're confident in our knowledge. So, uh, yeah, so that's number one. So number two, number two is? Yeah, album number two could have been one of two albums. And I, I, if I remember right, and checking my notes here, if I remember right, they were two and three. They were pretty darn close together, okay. and funny enough, they were they were both written around the same time period, and the tracks like jumped from one one track listing to another, and so on. So, come, I think one out because it's the more cohesive album. So that's number two. Okay. Wow, that's high up there. Yeah. Yeah, that surprised me too. So that officially I, 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 that officially that officially makes it your favorite album of the nineties then. I guess it would, yeah. Yeah. That's ultimately what that means, yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah, a, yeah, this one is kinda nuts because I don't know if this had to do with it it's it charting so it had to do with whether uh, um it was just the time period or the fact that I just had this crazy daydream listening to one of the songs. And then I listened to the album a couple more times and put a whole story together, which was kind of crazy. And I mean, I think I had mentioned this on Twitter a few times, 
and uh, might have gotten one or two like comments like, you're serious, right? Like, because the content is a little explicit. There's a parental advisory sticker on there just for the first and the last track, for sure. But it, right. it really right. didn't go that far as far as an R rating. It was more PG-13, if anything. But, yeah, I have that fond, mem- that fond memory that I had, like, just writing it, and every now and then I do go back to it. But this album is kind of a very cohesive journey, and it's kind of connected with all the, all these seg- segues. And they were part of one track at one point, and later on he, like, broke them up throughout the album to kind of tie everything together. Right. But the thing that kind of struck me with this one is, like, I I look at album covers and the artwork whenever I get a new album and just to kind of get an idea about it, this what I'm going to listen to. And this one was interesting. It was all, like, black and white. His, he was in front of uh, a building in Barcelona. And it, it, it's, like, an, a really old church. But to me, it made me, like, think of, like, I don't know, like, a, it was, like, him doing his own funeral or something. It was, quote, the death of friends. And the symbol yep. was going to come after that. But so I got this. When I listen to the album, that makes me think of, like, wintertime and just, like, the end, end of things. And it's, like, kind of, it's kind of, kind of dark, but there is kind of, like, the third certain moments there is light. So there's a little bit of that. And, yeah, I think that's ultimately what, that's all I really kind of have to say about it overall. Yeah, it's an eclectic album, I think. It, it has jazz on it, definitely. Funk, definitely. And then it has one of one of the rare examples of Prince's uh, dabbling with techno music. Um, and I'm not a really big fan of techno, but the song Loose, I really, really like, so... Oh, that's it's a good a, one, yeah. It's a really eclectic album, number number two on your list. That's man, <laughs> that uh, that blows my mind a little bit, but I can I can certainly see it, you know, especially with the like you say, the story you wrote and everything, and so there's memories tied up in that. Um, but yeah, great album, one of his best of the '90s, I would argue. So that means number three is probably the gold experience. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. And it's yep. Yeah, you know me, so it's you, you knew this one was gonna be pretty high on the list anyway. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So what have you got to say about that? Probably my craziest history with an album starting out. Like, I kind of had to be sold on it first of all because. I, the the whole area where he was like fighting with Warner Brothers, I figured it was a very dark and depressing time, and I didn't kind of didn't want to hear that come out in the music. And then some somebody sent sent me a link to Love for One Another, which was on some some other site. I'm probably not going to say the name, but yeah, it was on on there, and I watched it. And I think I was more into the storyline than the actual music. And funny enough, most of the music didn't end up on the album anyway. But all I needed was one song to get my attention, and it was Gold, which was the very last one. 
So it's like if, if for anything else, I had to get this album just for that. And somehow it just, it was like available. I, I looked at uh, uh, FLU's kind of go-to for music in general. And I just like went through there and I found a copy, a used copy for $17.99. And it's like, well, this is a rare album. I got to, got to get it. And then when I, I played it, like I couldn't freaking handle it. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like big and bold and it, it was like sensory overload for, for the first couple of songs between like the, the explicit nature of like the the first one. <laughs> like, that one kind of surprised me, but then again, he called it P control and didn't really know until he listened what the P stood for. And then a northern right, machine right. scared the crap out of me and was just like my body was on fire. And then I didn't really recover for much of the listen after that. So, wow. but yeah, but, but after that, I, I listened to it more and then just kind of fell in love with it. So, right. uh, so many good songs on this. It's ridiculous. Like there are two that like, started really high and there were a couple of others scattered throughout that I had to. Uh, there were a few songs on it that did bring it down, I think, now in particular. Right. Well, it's interesting because Trauma and Gold were an interesting era in in Prince history where it was sort of like a rebirth. We talked about that, the Calm album signaling the death of Prince and then the Gold experience being the debut or the first album by the artist or the symbol or however you want to call him, uh, the unpronounceable symbol. Um, so I kind of considered that era sort of a, a renaissance in Prince's career. There's all the, always the golden era that people talk about, you know, which is roughly 1980 through 88. And then for me, there's a second, there's a second golden era, which is, um, which is '93 to '95, the early symbol years. So those two albums, Common the Gold Experience, definitely fall within that um, Renaissance era where Prince was just on top of his game once again, in my opinion. Um, and like you said, there were a couple of singles that charted really high from that album, and it's really highly regarded amongst fans as a top album. Um, you know, I go between this album, Tom, and the, the Love Symbol album as, you know, being his best albums of the 90s, and sometimes it's hard for me to single out which one I believe is his best in the 90s, but the gold experience is right up there. So that's number three on your list. What's number four? Let's see. Number four. Uh, oh, this is going to be kind of a surprising one because you kind of introduced me to this one. Uh, okay. What right. I, yep, I ended up calling French the Musical Love Sexy from 1988. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that's in your top four. 
Excellent. Yes, I love that album. Uh, yeah, and I'm actually the one that sent it to you, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so what do you have to say about that? I think this kind of came out from the week I spent with the album. I don't know what happened, but I was listening to it in the car, and I, with all these, I kind of did listen to them in the car, either if they were if I had the physical CD or it was on my iPod. But with some 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 weird thing happened where it just it kind of sucked me into like this kind of world, and I kind of saw it coming out as like this Broadway musical and it's like it's a very theatrical album that kind of like that grabs you and moves you in so many different ways and it's he called it his gospel record but it's not so in your face about it it's more of a feeling I guess right exactly exactly yeah so yeah I, I I agree. It's one of those albums that's in its own kind of universe, and it's it's weird. You can really put it on and and get lost in, in it, and kind of live in the in the love sexy vibe. You know, no no other album quite has that same vibe that love sexy does, and it's so it's a really interesting album in that way. And like you say, the religious aspect of it is a little more inclusive, I would say, to all all walks of life than than uh, maybe some of his later albums are. I mean, it's still Christian because he still talks about you know, from the uh, you know, from the f- frame, the point the point of reference of Jesus um, in Anastasia, but so it's still Christian, but it it feels more inclusive. I guess you could say with the religious aspect of it. Um, oh yeah. There's also the fact that it's one one long track on CD. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, probably the the one complaint that everybody has about this one is it's a single track album, so you can't really skip to like your favorite song. You're forced to listen to it as a whole. Unless, of course, you have an iPod and you can actually, like, scroll through it, but it does take a little while longer and you kind of have to know the time stamps for each each song. But, right. like, a couple of them I would like to, well, I don't know, maybe maybe on iTunes they do have the songs separate. I, if, I would buy Positivity for sure to just, like, just to have on its own because I would put in my own playlist of, like, positive, positive, positively themed Prince music, especially right. on, like, those, on those not-so-good days, so. Right. Yeah, there was one, one comment I wrote here. It said, let's see, what this, um, if you open your heart and your mind, you can really get something special out of it, so you kind of have to be open to it or receptive to it for to really get to, like, I really like this album set as opposed to being just neutral, I guess. Unless you're the type of person that's just wowed by the quality of the music, which, like, yeah, the music's really sharp and theatrical, I'll say again. And there's some chord percussions in it I found that are, like, really pretty to listen to. Like, in Glam Slam and I Wish You Heaven, just, like, the last 
30 seconds or so is like one of my favorite parts of like any French song. It's so pretty. Yep. It's, it's definitely got its own vibe, that album. And, and it's interesting that you would say that you would have to open your heart and mind to it because I was on Prince.org last week and there was a thread of one of the orgers is a college professor and she, I think it's a she, is teaching a course on Prince right now and she said her students um, thought Batman was a better album than Love Sexy, which I know. Oh, in shut some, No. In, in some circles, that would be considered blasphemous, but. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and, and somebody, somebody made the point that you kind of have to be, you kind of have to know who Prince is, and be down with Prince's vibe and message to really connect with Love Sexy. So that kind of echoes what you were saying about opening your heart and mind and sort of connecting to it that way. Because obviously these students aren't, you know, particularly well-versed in Prince yet to where they can appreciate an album as nuanced as Love Sexy. But, yeah, I thought that was an interesting comment. Uh, They thought Batman was a more solid album. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I'll just leave that right there. And, and yeah, Love Sexy. On any given day, it could be my second favorite um, on my official list of ranking all 53 albums. Um, I have it at number three, but on any given day, it could be my second favorite behind Purple Rain. I love Love Sexy. So yeah, that's a great album. So that's number four. What's number five? Okay, number five is... I'm not doing this for track. In fact, I promise. Uh, 3121. Oh, oh, wow. Top five, okay. So what do you have to say about that? Uh, This was probably one... One one of, if not the biggest surprise of the top seven, but when I really thought about it, it's like, well, duh, of course. Um, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah, for one thing, it's uh, let me. Uh, it it was among the first albums I got, first of all, because I wanted to, I kind of wanted a little of each part of Prince's career. I wanted a little of the '80s, a little of the '90s, and a little of the more recent albums in this. That's a musicology I picked up right away. And then, yeah, my listens to musicology and uh, gold experience, they didn't quite go as well the first time. Not quite what I was expecting, but with this one, it was it was just, like, so easy. because Ultimately, because it's a pop record, love pop music. And a couple of these I was vaguely familiar with by that point. Although I think just Lolita, maybe, and possibly Tiama Corazon and Fury. But yeah, just when my uh, when I was listening to this one for the week I was spending with it, I think I listened to it a few more times. Like after that week was over, because I was just enjoying it way too much. And almost every song, well, not not almost, but at least half of them, I have some sort of. Mem- visual memory to go with it, like 
Lolita was, and uh, side, he performed on American Idol, which was like this huge thing. And I was like watching the finale, and he just like randomly came out. And I had heard he was in negotiations, but I never thought he'd show up. And it was just that blew my mind right there, just like seeing <laughs> him just in the present. Like I hadn't really seen him currently. I only saw Purple Rain and maybe the 1999 video before that. But yeah, he just like as he always always does and, and did. He just like had me. And so there's that. Then Yama Corazon from the the Brit Awards appearance. And at the time, I didn't know it was Wendy and Lisa on stage with him. I found that out after the fact. But just the, the arrangement of that was so pretty. And then when I heard the album version, it's like, oh, this isn't as good as the other version. Just I wasn't expecting it to be like a have that Latin flair, flair to it. And then Black right. Sweat, of course, the video. That was such a slick production, that video. And of course, that sense of humor came out with that one a couple of times. There like the gifts floating around of his facial expressions throughout that video. So that that's pretty cool. And Fury of Fire, right, right now, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> right, right, I was going to say, Black Sweat, the video cracks me up to this day. I mean, his facial expressions are like one in a million. I mean, he can really make some awesome facial expressions. And then, like you say, yeah, Fury on Saturday Night Live, I had the same experience you did with Teamo Corazon on the Brit Awards. You know, I heard the live version of Fury first, so when I heard it on the album, it kind of fell flat. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. As, as they say in Peach and Black, the Fury effect, where it's like you hear the yeah, live exactly. version first, and then you get the album, and it's like, oh man, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so see what yeah. I had written here. Yeah, the the big thing about the album I have written down, it kind of embodies Prince as he was when I was first getting to know him. His sound and his music and his appearance and the impression he made on me when I saw the live appearances he did, like just leading up to the Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. Yeah, and just in general, that's, think of him just in general, that's, kind of like the 2006-2007 version of him. That's what I see. Like this, like, yeah, mature, sophisticated, and like ultra-talented, so. And then there are like other songs on here that we'll get to later, but yeah, some really incredible songs that are kind of like, they're a little different than like you, you would expect from friends. Like love and the word and the dance in particular, those are some big highlights. And then later on, like I got into on the boat, just the whole band five of it. That's such a cool way to end the album. Yep. Yep. It really is. It's a solid album. I would say a lot of people, a lot of people overlook this album. I would say in the fan community and, a lot of people tend to prefer musicology over this album, but I would almost rate 3121 above musicology um, just based on song-by-song comparison. They have the same number of songs, 
and putting them head to head, I think, I think um, a couple of years ago, I think thirty one twenty one won by one song, I think. But I would put, yeah, I would put thirty one twenty one above Musicology most definitely. So yeah, great album. So now we're on to number six. What's number six? Okay, this is probably the biggest surprise of the, of all of them because I had this album for a couple years and I just never listened to it because I just had I never was in the mood for it or I was just busy listening to something else and I would take it off and I would put it back on. But just the, I put it back in my iPod and listened to it finally, and I didn't really remember too much about it other than maybe one one or two songs, just the titles I remembered, and then the final song, which I didn't particularly care for, and it's still, I'm still not quite 100% sold on it, like, it's not, I don't think it's, like, the best song he's done in, like, a long time, that sort of thing, like, everybody else would say. Yeah, but ultimately, it's, like, yeah, it's 2010. It's number six. Okay. There we go. Uh, album released in Europe only on physical disc. And I actually was lucky enough to get a copy from a friend online. I don't know if they were through the org or through Facebook. But, yeah, they actually sent me a newspaper. I think it was a Dutch newspaper with a physical copy. And so I have that. Uh, somewhere, and of course I have it on my on my uh, laptop as well. I have a good memory with this album because I can remember the 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 night I very very heard it for the very first time, and it was it was leaked on the internet like a day early. And this was back in the days when I when I had the uh, hours of a night owl, so I was up all hours of the <laughs> night, all hours of the night and morning. And, and uh, anyway, my my friend at the time, Nikki Tuzio, uh, was able to get a hold of a copy in trade for some bootlegs, and uh, we heard it together for the first time and we were like freaking out each song we were like oh my god this is the new Prince album and we're hearing it a night early and oh my god you know so every song every song was like oh my god every song was like a, a revelation you know in and of itself but obviously I've, I've cooled on the album since then but it is, it is a solid album and one that I don't think barely anyone outside the hardcore Prince community knows about, which is a shame because it's a good one. It's kind of a throwback to the old school Minneapolis sound in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah, there's some really good songs on there. I don't want to get into the individual songs quite yet, but yeah, this is a good album and, uh, of course, the last track you're talking about is Lay Down, which uh, is, uni- well, I wouldn't say universally, but uh, the majority of fans love that song, uh, and you're still not quite sold on it, but 
yeah. But it kind of was a precursor of of things to come, I guess, in in previous years. It's kind of a kinda of has the same flavor of like a hit and one phase one type type uh you know, hard hitting dance track with a little bit of hip hop flavor, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Um I love it, yeah. Yeah, great album. Um anything you wanna say more about it? Well, I I still haven't taken it off my iPod, and I still listen to it every now and then. And the funny thing is that Beginning Endlessly is the one song that just, it gets stuck in my head, and I it's like I, I have to listen to the album again. And oddly enough, it did not make my top 100. Because I, uh, uh, I don't know quite how that happened. I, I think I docked it just a little bit because he tried to fit too many syllables into a line in the chorus, and it just still kind of, doesn't quite jive. Okay. But yeah, that that yeah, but yeah, that that groove is like insane. And it's kinda of cool how it just it kind of takes over from where compassion ends. And right. so to me it almost felt like they were it like e- either like one huge song or it was like two parts of the same and it just kind of evolved. But yeah, right. that song I like I really like and future soul song everybody was really like that one, and it kind of felt like being around like Prince when he was in the '80s. That's just that same vibe, and there. Um, uh, I'm not going to get too much too far into that because I'll probably be talking about that one later too. But yeah, it feels it it feels very cohesive, and you did say it was like going back to the the Minneapolis sound, and he had been trying to recapture that. It seemed like for over a couple albums between, like, I guess, the Minneapolis Sound album, like, before that, that was released with the Lowe's Flower album. But it seemed like he he really, he finally was successful at, like, recapturing that and just feel brand new and current, which I thought was really neat. Right. But, yeah, just the energy I really like. And it kind of, sometimes I feel, to me, it feels like the follow-up to the Planet Earth album, which I really like because it was, like, the first album that was new when the first year I became a fan, that sort of thing. So yep. it, it yep. kind of feels like it takes off over from where it left off. Like, the vibe is a little similar, and the person he is in the album feels kind of similar to me. Like I said, he wrote his personality is laid back and not taking himself too seriously, and it's just a pleasant listen. So, right. it's, yeah, right. it's, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking it's this. If they, these radio waves somehow broadcast to like the other side or whatever, like Prince, why didn't you release this in the U.S.? Like seriously, it's such a good album. <laughs> I still haven't yeah. quite thought, gotten over that. Right. Well, hopefully, once the estate gets all the legal matters uh, worked out, hopefully some of these lesser-known albums and albums that are out of print and stuff like the Gold Experience. Hopefully they get re-released. And because, yep, we can only hope, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are going to, hopefully, are going to gravitate towards, quote-unquote, new music from Prince, which, you know, of course, the fans know 
isn't new at all, but it'll be new to a lot of people that weren't that weren't hip to it back in the day, you know. So um, I'm really looking forward to the to the point where a lot of those are out of print and and overlooked albums get re-released. So, yeah, that'll be cool. And now we're at number seven. So rounding out your top seven, we have which album? Love this one. The Parade album. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay, so what do you want to say about that? Well, first off, I think my my adoration out from for this album kind of comes from my own custom version of it, which I actually have had for quite a few years before I got a physical copy of it. I mean, my ultimate goal is to own physical copies of as my, many Prince albums as I can. But yeah, yeah, my version that somebody was nice enough to send me is like Prince has the most generous fans. I swear, like I don't even ask for stuff half the time, and they will send like all this music just to like make make me feel like I'm not missing out on anything or just to really educate me as a fan because I was still a newbie for quite a while but yeah with this particular one it's like I it's like I had the mp3s and I I burned it to a cd so I can put it in my car and it's pretty much the same setup except mountains is later and it's the extended version of it and okay it, it, yeah, and it's between Lover Money and uh, Alexis at Paris, which are like the for the, the last three albums. And just like with the circumstances, like I can't really listen to this on the physical CD. With sometimes it snows in April, the last one it just wrecks me. So I right. I kind of have to have that like little positively boost at at the end of it. But it's yeah, it's just. I I don't know what it is. It's the album and it, it it's very cohesive. It kind of runs together as a whole. Starting with the first four songs, I think he actually did the drum tracks for these four songs and just laid all the music down, so it kind of like all flows together. And then after right. that, exactly. he got yep, to the right. the um the the other individual songs after that. Yeah. And of course, it's hard not to think about Under the Cherry Moon while like listening to it but for the most part I just picture everything in black and white with Claire Fisher doing the string arrangements like I I think the end credit said something about he like thanking him for like making all brighter the colors of black and white or something like that yep 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 exactly and it is it is sort of ironic in that way that the the movie and the album art are in black and white and it's such a but it's such a colorful album if you really listen to it. I mean it's got like you say, all the orchestral elements to it, the choir fisher elements and it's a really uh light for the most part, a really light, easy breezy type of type of album. Um, and I know it's it's really beloved in the Prince community. Uh, I think in my personal list, 
I ranked it number 17, which uh, you kind of took it easy on me with that. You said at least it's in my top 20, which is acceptable. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good album and, and one that, strangely, that, that Prince didn't seem to didn't seem to appreciate too much himself, at least at the time, because he said that it was, I forget what exactly he said about it, but the basic sentiment was that it was, it was rushed and he could have done better configuring it. But I think it's a, it's a good album and as an accompaniment to the movie, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and yeah, those first four songs in sequence. I mean, it's insane to think about, you know, him laying the drum track, you know, and playing it all the way through for four songs. Uh, that just shows you what kind of energy and and drive that he had to to succeed and to get the music out there. But yeah, it's a it's a good album, a classic album, on a lot of people's top ten lists if not top three, um, yeah, definitely a great album. 